Welcome back, everyone, to episode number 16 of Hot Takes Only, presented by the Hot Takes Network. Very special episode this week. We are pleased to be joined in-house by international tennis correspondent Kian Wright. Kian has made the trip over to Canada from the Netherlands. Kian, how are you, man? It's a pleasure to have you on Hot Takes Only. Hey, Ben, how are you? Thanks a lot for uh, yeah, for having me back. It's, um, yeah, it's strange to be recording these podcasts uh, with other people rather than just by myself in in Amsterdam, but um, yeah, look, for sure, looking forward to it. We're hoping to talk uh, a lot of Wimbledon today. Today is uh, the Sunday in between the two weeks, uh, so Kian is uh, Kian's here to uh, give us the uh, the scoop on all of uh, all what's going on in uh, in the tennis world. We're also pleased to be joined, as always, by Mac Turchin, HDN Zone. Mac, how are you, man? Uh, a little bit pissed off that Kian's here stealing my thunder, but uh, we'll carry on. Ah, special guest, special guest. That's all right, though. Uh, so as, as I said before, we're going to talk all things Wimbledon this week. Uh, some pretty crazy storylines from the uh, the first week of uh, Wimbledon. Uh, Keanu, I'm going to start with you. Give me your favorite storyline from the first week of Wimbledon. Uh, well, I think for me it has to be Coco Gauff um, getting the, the wild card into Wimbledon qualifying, uh, 15 years old, and then obviously plays Venus in the first round. Um, I think that story is unbelievable and for sure, it stands out. You know, you don't you don't see stuff like that very often. It's definitely impressive, and and you see just some of the uh, uh, the battles that, that she had to go through. Obviously, Venus, probably one of her one of her heroes growing up. She's sort of in that in that age category where where Venus and Serena uh, would have would have been rising up. So definitely, uh, pretty crazy to go out on on center court and then you know be able to defeat Venus uh, in in probably the biggest match she's ever played in. Uh, then you go uh, third round. Looks like she's down in the uh, down in the dumps. Loses the first set. Uh, second set, she's down five two. Manages to battle back. Win a tie break. Ends up winning the match. On to a fourth round match against uh, none other than Simona Halep, uh, Grand Slam champion. Uh, Keen, how do you see that match going? Is this the end for Coco, or do you see her maybe being able to push through? Like Matt's been telling me all week that like she's done and Halep's gonna win, but for some reason I could see her getting past Halep. Um, you know, it seems like every game she plays, no matter what the court is, she always seems to be able to step up to the occasion. And I know it's super strange saying that for a 15-year-old, but I'd honestly, um, yeah, look, I'd, I'd honestly put my, yeah, put my cards on her for for actually taking taking this match. It would be would be pretty incredible. Uh, I think she would become uh, become a favorite to then make the uh, the quarterfinal. Looking at the draw, uh, so I'll turn it over to Mac. Mac, give me your favorite story from the first week of Wimbledon. I love my boy Nick. Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, gotta love him. Gotta love him. Just uh, the fact that he can bring such dramatics to a second round encounter with Rafa. Fun times, honestly, early in a tournament. There was a uh, there, there was a lot of intensity. You might be able to say on uh, on court. Uh, a lot of fist pumping. A lot of hyping uh, themselves up. It didn't have the feel of a second round match, as you said. Uh, so definitely uh, an interesting one to follow. Uh, you could tell based on his his pre-match press conferences, Nick was very, very uh, hyped up for the match. I think what some people were surprised by was the fact that Rafa ended up being quite, uh, uh, quite you know, intense throughout the match by himself. The match ended up being pretty tight. We had uh, Rafa and Nick going four pretty tight sets, split the first two. And then a couple tiebreakers for Rafa, you know, a couple points here and there, and, and Nick might have actually got the job done. Uh, Kenzie, 
I think you've got another uh, favorite story from the first week of Wimbledon. All right. I think uh, I think another major plot that everybody's kind of looking over from this first week is the fact that uh, Kazakh legend Mikhail Kukushkin has made it through to the fourth round, taking down a couple big servers like Big John Isner and uh, Struff, who's been on uh, great form as well. And I think uh, our our tennis guru, Kian Wright, he's been... Uh, He's been telling this guy for a while and especially likes his game on the grass. Can you explain here? Well, I'd say I'd say Towton's a strong word. Um, look, for sure, for sure he's a great player. Um, and it's it's impressive to see what he's been doing on the grass. Um, like he has a couple tough matchups coming up. He plays Nishikori in the next round, and if he got past that, he'd be playing Fed, most likely on center court in Wimbledon and you know, I think. Uh, well, yeah. What do you think about the Nishikori game? He's not exactly. He's not exactly a big grass court guy. Well, what are you saying? You think he has a chance? Yeah, I was just saying he has a great chance. He's taken out his third struff, back to back. Yeah, but he's gone the distance in a lot of the games. I feel like it'll be a big ask to try to get past K after already playing, you know, five sets against uh, big Johnny I. I don't know. I think I think Nishikori, his his game tends to break down by the second week after getting through a few matches. So I think I think it might be even standing here at Chando. Nishikori has looked pretty pretty darn good so far. Three straight set wins on his way to uh, playing Kukushkin. Uh, anyways, that, that that seems to be one of the, uh, you know, maybe under undersold uh, round of 16 matchups. Could be very enticing. Not a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, so on the record, official predictions, Nishikori or Kukushkin in the match, Mac. Kukushkin, four sets. Kukushkin, five sets. Oh, he's, ah, he changed yes. it. I, I, I got to stick with All right, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Kai in four. I mean, I'm going to take the other side, but definitely a match to watch, uh, gents. I, I want to go to one of my most interesting stories from the first week of Wimbledon. Uh, the fact that we had pretty much all of the top young seeds on the men's side uh, lose, and it, and it seems like this this big three reign isn't going to come to an end anytime soon. <laughs> We had Dom Team lose to Sam Query in four sets. Uh, Tsitsipas beats Fabiano in five sets. Zverev overtakes uh, Vesely in four sets. You know, just a, a really interesting uh, scenario. You know, we, we've got all these young guys talking about how, how they're ready to break through, uh, break through in these Grand Slam tournaments and, and start challenging the big three. Yet, you know, they're not even really getting the opportunity to take it from the big three. These guys all lose in the first round of Wimbledon. Keenan, what do you think? Is it is it mental at this point? Is it is it their physical skills? You know, what, what's the problem with guys like Team Tsitsipas and Zverev? Yeah, look, we, we were talking about it last night. And um, they, look, you can't pin it down to one thing. I think a lot of it comes down to just maybe intimidation and, you know, how these big three, okay, look, maybe we can even say big four has been dominating the game for the last few years. And actually, I think a lot of it is just down to the fact that it's, they just get intimidated with these guys and they feel like they can't step up. Um, but look, saying that, you look at Stefanos Tsitsipas uh, and he's got to be able to take Thomas Fabiano before he can even get a chance at the big guys. You know, so um, like he, he definitely underperformed. And look, it's the same for the other boys. Um, definitely poor results there. But I don't think any of them particularly had great grass seasons either. So um, I guess you could say that it wasn't expected. Um, but... Yeah, look, they probably definitely should have performed better. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think it's it's got to be. Uh, I think it's a little bit of both in terms of the mental and, and physical games. And I know you and I were talking about it uh, last night with uh, with Christian 
another another HTM member, and, and we sort of came to the conclusion that uh, yes, there there is some bit of a mental block there for these young guys, especially a guy like Zara, who is who is just not performing Grand Slams at all in his career. Uh, but then from the from a, a physical actually playing perspective, they're all kind of the same guy. They all hit the ball pretty hard. They've got solid serves, good forehands. Uh, whereas if you look at the big three, they're all really, really different players from your fundamental uh, from your fundamental tennis player. We got Rafa, crazy banana shots sliding around the court. Roger, just phenomenal footwork, textbook. Um, a lot of people try to emulate Roger and just can't do it. Novak, fantastic backhand, one of the, the best returners because he's sort of uh, a little, little uh, different than everyone else in terms of his return game. And I just don't think that these guys really differentiate themselves from those big three. So that that could be it. Mac, do you have any thoughts on on why on why these young players haven't been able to break through? Uh, it's it's an interesting thought. I, I just have I just have one question for uh, Kian on this one. I'm wondering his thoughts of what of what <laughs> of what Apostolos would have said. <laughs> If he would have said for what? Yeah, after, what, what, after you, what would you say to Stefanos after the game? Oh man, I'd say he was far from happy. Um, yeah, look, he's just, he's super tough on on Stefanos. You know, their their training session is so intense, and you know, um, I know it is a father son relationship, but it's also a player coach relationship, and um, he is really really hard on him, and he works him very very hard, barely any breaks, at least from the training sessions that I saw. But man, I I'd, I'd hate to imagine the conversation in the locker room after after losing to Thomas Fabiano in five sets in Wimbledon. If you haven't checked it out, Keen's got an awesome blog. Uh, Keen checked out one of uh, Stefanos's training sessions in, uh, in Hertogenbosch, I believe. Uh, so definitely check it out. Great blog on the, the Hot Takes Network website. Uh, next thing I want to talk about, uh, Andy, Sir Andy Murray, back at Wimbledon playing mixed doubles with none other than Serena Williams. Ended up winning their first round match quite handily, 6-4, 6-1. Getting into a little more uh, more seeded action now, so we'll see if the, the success continues into the uh, the second week. Keen, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Andy Murray, playing a couple doubles events, what is the end goal for him? Is it to come back and play singles, or has he sort of said, okay, you know, the, the body's not going to hold up playing singles, I'm, I'm going to play doubles for now? Oh, for sure the goal is singles. Um, I think the goal has always been singles. Uh, I, it, singles won't be this year. We've got to be realistic here, looking at the body, um, looking at performances. He seems that he's not having any more trouble with the hips, so he's actually pain-free, but for sure I could definitely see him starting to get back into the singles next year if everything goes well, um, if he stays healthy. And, and he's, look, he's, he's playing well in the doubles. He had a good week at Queens, unfortunately lost already in Wimbledon with... In the men's in the men's doubles with the hair bear, but look with with Serena here, maybe they can make something happen. Um, seems like they're going well so far, but for sure, I think he's just getting match time and match play, so he can get himself ready for the singles court. Mac, I'm gonna throw the next question off to you. Uh, we are talking about one of the more controversial things that happened in the first week of the tournament uh, on the men's singles side. We had Bernard Tomek. Uh, you know, he's, he's a former, I believe, top 20 player in the world uh, who has sort of hit a, a bad run of tennis, uh, probably a little little 
personal stuff and then maybe a bit of bit bit physical as well. Um, the big story of the week was Bernard Tomic losing his first round match in, I believe it was under an hour. Yeah, 58 minutes. 58 minutes, straight sets, and then Wimbledon not paying him uh, his prize money due to a lack of effort. Mac, I want to hear your thoughts on the situation. Well, that's a lot of money to lose, isn't it? It's about 56000 US dollars. Um, it's it's unfortunate. I don't think any of us actually saw the full match other than, than like a few highlights. But it's just, it's a tough situation for Bernie, I think. He he takes he takes one of the sets to six four actually so like I just don't I just don't understand like it's it's a very it's a very fine line that you gotta walk to you know officially take somebody's uh, prize money away for quote unquote tanking the match right you gotta be very very sure although. I think uh, I think this is one of those occasions where, if this had been any other player, besides maybe Nick, I don't think the prize money would have been taken away. You think that it's just a, a case of his reputation? Everybody everybody knows his reputation. His nickname on uh, the internet is Topic the Tank Engine. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. That's uh... well, it's not unfortunate. It's self inflicted. Fair it's enough. Not fair unfortunate, enough. You know. He he has he has every opportunity to change that nickname, but he seems to just not care. So. Kirio said in his press conference that it was actually he didn't agree with the with the fine that that Tomic got and that he was just generally a slow player around the court, so he didn't actually that's, deserve that's, the that's, fine. <laughs> he was just slow around it. That's partially true. Tomic does play a very slow-paced game, I'd say, compared to others. If you've ever seen his forehand, you'd uh, you'd know why. Um, yeah, it's 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 an interesting situation. It sets a it sets an interesting precedent. Very true. And, and so where do, where does Bernard go from here? Does does he keep playing the tour? Does he you know does he try does he get his act together? Does he have to get his act together? Or can he continue with these antics? And you know he's still qualifying for these these tournaments. Is Will his skill be enough to carry him over, or does he have to turn his act over? Oh, he's got a great level of skill, which is probably the most uh, disappointing thing about it all. But, um, you know, I'm sure he's got a decent amount of money stowed away, so if he doesn't want to play for a while. But, you know, he still seems to be playing quite a bit. It's just, you know, whether, you know, he'll he'll change his attitude towards the game. I think he'll just, he'll just keep playing it just... I think it's just like uh, somebody going to a nine to five job that they don't like, right? You know, you'll go because you need to pay the bills and whatnot, but will you give a full effort? No, probably not. But you're kind of this is your job. You got to do it. So I think that's kind of the situation he's in. He's been in that situation for a while now. What's the difference between him and Curious? Curious, I think Tomic blames everything on everyone else. Kyrgios does that a little bit, for sure, but I think Kyrgios is very open with his own flaws. He doesn't. He doesn't try to. He doesn't try to blame it on everyone else. I mean, he blames it on other people sometimes, but Tomic, I think, you know, solely blames it on on everyone besides himself. 
whereas Curious is pretty open about his flaws and he owns them and he's fine with it. For sure, definitely, uh, definitely fair enough. I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what the what the result of this is moving forward. If if you know it becomes sort of a, a standard among other tournaments uh, that that they're more open to doing something like this. Again, you know what uh, what's to say or, or how how do you judge someone that loses in the first round of a tournament six zero six zero that that is just a bad tennis player versus someone like Bernard Tomic who who has the skill who might look like a bad tennis player because he's not trying. I, I think it sets sets a very interesting precedent that will be. Uh, interesting to follow moving forward in these uh, in these tournaments. So, talked about the first week now. Moving forward to the second week, last question I'm going to ask you guys. Give me your winner and why of the men's singles of Wimbledon. We're going to start with Kian. Uh, well, for me, it's straight up Federer. <clears throat> Not only because I'm a huge fan, but I think, look, he played very well in Halle a few weeks back. Um, and he always... Like, I, I looking at his results, and he seems to be playing pretty solid. I know he lost a set there against uh, South African last week, but uh, for me, it's it's Roger all the way. Mac? I think it's uh, I think it's probably Kukushkin. Ah, man, it could could very well be. We'll see. But uh, I like a, maybe a maybe a Kukushkin Novak final going down <laughs> here. But Novak be the winner. I think mainly just because Kian's predictions usually tend to be wrong. And then also, uh, you know, Novak's been on very good form. And, like, I think people, I think people, he, for people, he's an underrated grass player. Like, you know, all his finals, he's had to go through uh, uh, really quality grass players twice against Federer, at least. Yeah. yeah. So he's my pick. For sure. It'll, it'll be interesting. I think Novak definitely has the nicest path to the finals. Uh, I think Milos Raonic is probably the the toughest test uh, coming his way in the in the semifinals if Milos does end up getting there. Uh, former Wimbledon finalist. Uh, as much as I would like to say Rafa as a uh, Rafa Nadal fan or or Federer, I mean, it would be great to see Federer win another another grass tournament. I am going with uh, Novak Djokovic just because of the fact that I think he'll be able to get to the final with relative ease. And, you know, you never know with, with Rafa on grass what's going to happen. And uh, ultimately, I do think sort of as Max said, uh, Novak is an underrated grass player. As much as, as Federer is, is known sort of as the king of grass, I do think uh, Novak will, will be able to take him. So I got Novak, but would love to see uh, Rafa or Roger take it. On the women's side, we've actually got some really, uh, really interesting matchups. A lot of top seeds still in. Ashley Barty, Carolina Pliskova, Petra Kvitova, Simona Halep. Svitolina, and then you know Serena Williams also hanging around. Um, fellas, any any thoughts on the on the women's side? Is there anyone that you you think uh, you know is, is going to be lifting the the, uh, the trophy a week from now? Uh, Ash Barty, um, maybe she starts doing something similar to what Osaka did last year, winning two slams in a row. Um, she's just off a French Open win, and she's off. Yeah, she won in I think it was Birmingham um, last week as well. So she's on a crazy match winning streak and she's still going in this tournament I feel like well she's number one now as well and with that I, I guess comes a lot of confidence maybe a lot of pressure but for me I could uh, I could really see her um, backing up that French Open win with a win here in Wimbledon yeah she's definitely bulldozed over a competition so far at uh, Wimbledon straight sets most matches most of them aren't, aren't very close very interesting quarterfinal 
uh, potential quarterfinal. Ash Barty against Serena Williams, the winner of that quarterfinal, could very well be our, our Wimbledon champion. Uh, Akeem, I think I'm on the same boat as you. Ashley Barty just seems to be in a crazy run of form right now, so I'm, I'm going to go with Barty. Mac, are you going any different, or are you are you rolling with us? Man, she's pretty good, isn't she? Yeah. Um, like, just the confidence levels right now, she's just completely plowing through everybody. Um, she has a tough matchup coming up against Risk. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see on the on the women's side what happens. Probably, probably Barty, but like Osaka seemed to be kind of rattled by the pressure a little bit. Like it doesn't seem like it's her personality; like she kind of shied away from it a little bit. Barty seems to be handling it a lot better. She seems pretty pretty mature. Definitely. All right, all three of us have uh, Ash Barty taking down the women's singles title. We're going to transition now into a little bit of basketball. The NBA has been absolutely bananas the last couple days. Uh, we are all Toronto Raptors fans here. Bit of a, a sad day. Kawhi Leonard is taking his talents to Los Angeles. He is joining the Los Angeles Clippers in probably an even crazier move. Uh, Paul George is going to join him in Los Angeles. Uh, a pretty, pretty wild trade involving... Uh, what could end up being six draft picks and then then a couple players, uh, Shai Giglius Alexander and Danilo Gallinari going back to Oklahoma City for Paul George. Kenzie, I want to hear your thoughts. Kawhi leaving, what does that mean for us Raptors fans? Well, it means it'll be a long time back to the top, but at least we got there. Yeah, I, I think I'm in the in the same boat as you. I think, you know, I, I've, I've said it. Uh, I, I expected him to re-sign. It was unfortunate when he uh, when he did not. But ultimately, we can be disappointed, but we can't be upset. Ultimately, we had the chance, right? Yeah. You know, we were provided an opportunity with the Oklahoma City trade, or the potential Oklahoma City trade, to bring him back. If we make that trade, we're bringing him back. But it's essentially we're we're compromising everything for the next decade for. You know, teams seem to break up pretty pretty dang quick in the NBA. So, you know, there's no no idea what the lifespan of that that particular team might have looked like in a in a kind of um, potential sense and a potential world where we have Westbrook, George, and Leonard. Who knows? Like that team could stick stick together for a year. It could stick together for five. You never know. Uh, they're actually. I, I read there was no guarantee that Kawhi was actually going to stay if the uh, if the trade ended up happening with the Raptors. Um, again, it was probably more than likely that it was going to happen, but there was no guarantee by Kawhi if they went out and got Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook that he was going to resign in Toronto. I think that shows a lot of maturity on Masai Ujiri's part uh, to know that by not making that trade, you are losing probably the greatest player that's ever put on a Raptors jersey uh, by not pulling the trigger. That this guy is this guy's gonna leave, and then you're pretty much you pretty much have no one left. Uh, so I, I thought it was very mature by Mass. It also shows me that he's gonna be around for a while. I think I don't think he, he's going anywhere. Otherwise, it would have been similar to a Paul Beeston, Alex Anthopoulos situation where they sold, they basically sold the uh, the future for a chance to win at the end of their contract. So it shows me that Mass is sticking around. Um, once again, you know, again, you can be disappointed, can't be upset. Quieted everything he was supposed to do, brought us that championship. 
Uh, they can never, ever, ever take that away from us. I know it's something that I'm not going to forget for for as long as I live. Uh, I'm never going to forget how I how I felt when when Kawhi won us that that championship and, and put the team on his back. Uh, on behalf of all of us, uh, to Kawhi Leonard, thank you. thank you for everything you did, Kawhi. Uh, never going to forget it. An amazing run. So many great moments, whether it be the shot, step back over and beat the dunk on Giannis. Just some some great memories. Uh, throughout the year and and the best part about uh, or maybe one of the good parts about him leaving there's no negative side of it we have no negative memories of Kawhi Leonard at all one season one championship never going to be able to take that away from us uh final note that I've actually had a lot of people reach out to me about uh regarding Kawhi Leonard I actually think Kawhi Leonard uh owes Toronto fans and the Toronto team a thank you you know we were a team that uh helped them basically rebuild his image. His image was not great in San Antonio. Uh, I, I think that by trading for him, he didn't want to come. He made it very clear he didn't want to come to Canada. We accepted him regardless. I mean, he is a fantastic basketball player. We cheered for him every time he went out there, uh, made sure that, that he felt comfortable from a medical and, and also just a living in Canada perspective. Cheered for him every, every time he put the Raptors uniform on and helped him rebuild his image, helped him uh, gave, gave him an opportunity to win a championship in Toronto, lead a team. Um, so I think it goes both ways. Yes, uh, yeah. Thank you, Kawhi, from from us, and I, I think Kawhi owes a lot to Raptors fans as well. Kian, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast, man. In yeah. the studio, love Thanks. talking tennis with you. Thanks a lot. Uh, we'll have to get you back on. Unfortunately, you're going back across the pond in in a week or so. Uh, so we'll definitely be sure to to uh, connect after Wimbledon. But it's been awesome having you having you in the studio. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of Hot Takes Only.